Father, we come humbly before you this morning and we say, Lord, to speak to us. Lord, we're hungry for your word. We want to hear you this morning, oh God. And so, Lord, I just hide behind the cross this morning. Lord, we don't want to hear Don. We don't want to hear man. God, we want to hear you. And so we pray, Lord, speak to us. Your servants are listening. I pray, God, that as we leave this place, we would be transformed by the power of your word. We thank you, God, for what you are doing in the room this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, my wife can cook up a storm. She's an amazing cook, I'm telling you. And me being Samoan, uh, one of the things that always amazes me is the different combinations of foods that she actually puts together. Uh, you need to know that when a Samoan normally makes salad, we use only three ingredients, lettuce, crab meat, and a liter of best food mayonnaise. That's all you need for a good salad. And so that's what I grew up eating. That was the norms for me. That was salad for me. Um, that's the kind of salad I grew up eating. But one day my wife gets to cooking and I see her putting the greens into the bowl. And then she starts chopping up this weird looking vegetable that's called fennel and it smells like toothpaste. And she's putting that into the bowl. And now she's also chopping up a pear and that's going into the bowl. And I'm thinking, how on earth is this going to taste? Where on earth is the best food mayonnaise? Uh, but anyways, I get to tasting the food and I take a bite and I'm telling you, it was incredible. It was an amazing salad. <laughs> wow. I'd, honestly, I didn't expect that to taste so well, like taste so good. It was incredible. Uh, one of the things that I love to do uh, is tutor my old high school Samoan group. Uh, a group of 60 or 70 high school students would come together and you know, I would teach them over the course of six weeks Samoan items that they would then perform at Polyfest. But one of the items, I remember one time we were practicing this particular item. And this item, we had like the princess of the group and she would lead the dance and the rest of the group would actually sing a song at the back. Um, but when she's dancing, she is dancing with this particular, uh, what would you call it? Like this particular thing that we have in our salmon culture, which is called the nifoti. And part of it is wood and the rest of it is metal. And it's, it can be quite sharp sometimes. And so she's dancing with it. And so I'm trying to tell this guy, you need to keep your eyes on her. Because at one point, she's going to chuck that thing, like she's going to swing it around her arms and chuck it to the left. Your job is to catch that thing and then go behind the rest of the group and join them in singing. So I'm teaching him. And then this girl is dancing away. And then out of nowhere, she chucks the knife across. And I'm looking up. I'm blinded by the sun. And all I remember seeing was the nifo oti come past my face. And it landed on my bare foot. You know what I did? I kicked that thing up, caught it, twisted it around my hand. And I was like, that's what you do, you know? Did it hurt? Of course. <laughs> I had one of the kids asking me, sir, did you mean to do that? I was like, of course I did. Of course I meant for that to land on my bare foot. Um, but I did not expect that to go the way that it did. It was, honestly, it was incredible. Uh, but today, I'm sharing a message that's called Expect the Unexpected. Expect the unexpected. We're in some trying times, and we've seen some challenging and difficult times these past couple of years. And the truth is, regardless of how much faith you've got, regardless of how much praying you do, worshiping you do, regardless of how much time you spend in the Word, it's okay to acknowledge that the last two years have been some pretty difficult times. You know, in 2019, I never in my mind would have thought that the pandemic would affect me, affect my surrounding, affect my world, affect my relationships, and affect everything that was happening in my world, but it did. And so what was normal for me in 2019 
was now no longer normal in 2020. Suddenly, masks became a thing. Uh, hand sanitizers at every entranceway became a thing. Elbow greeting became a thing. Church online became a thing. Close contacts became a thing. Isolation became a thing. Traffic lights took on a whole different meaning. We called it the new normal. And so here we are. We've gone from normal in 2019, entanglement in 2020, a new normal in 2021, and now we're going back to normal in 2022. What does normal even mean? Normal means the usual, typical, expected state or condition. It is the expectation that this is how it's always meant to be. To be normal is to be characterized by that which is considered usual, typical, or routine. You know, oftentimes we accept normal and pattern and typical as if that's all there is to life. We become so comfortable with normal, we become okay with the routine and ordinary. Perhaps it's because it's just how it's always been. Perhaps it's because it's how we've been taught. Perhaps it's because we're too afraid of what change and what different might look like against a solid backdrop of tradition and status quo. Regardless of what the circumstance may be, regardless of who you are, where you come from, how much money you make or where you live, when you walk with God, I'm telling you, life for you shouldn't be normal. When you walk with God, life for you shouldn't be normal. Why? Because normal is the system of enablement that keeps you stagnant. Routine and tradition and status quo and religion are the systems of enablement that keep you stagnant. And the danger of stagnating is that it ultimately leads to destruction. Because to stagnate or to be stagnant is to have no movement or no activity. There's nothing quite like stagnation when it comes to killing motivation. You know, when you've worked out all week and you feel like, I've lost five kgs. You jumped on that scale and it says, zilch. You know, like you just plateaued. You have just stagnated. It starts to kill your motivation because to stagnate is to be lifeless. To stagnate is to go nowhere. To stagnate is to have no progress. To stagnate is to see no fruit. My friend, to settle for sta a state of stagnation would be to settle for less than who God created you to be. You were not created to live a life of lifeless routine and deadbeat religion and a life of what the world considers normal. You were created for more than that. And I want to let you know this morning that God is calling you to step into the unexpected because he's setting you up for bigger and greater in a new and unseen way. It's time for us to put aside what we think we know, and it's time for us to get ready for an unexpected encounter with God. Turn to the person next to you and say, expect the unexpected. Amen. Acts chapter 3, verse 1 to 10. Um, I'm reading from the NASB version. Here's what it says. It's a story that we are all familiar with. And it says this. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been unable to walk from birth was being carried, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order for him to beg for charitable gifts from those entering the temple grounds. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple grounds, he began asking to receive a charitable gift. But Peter, along with John, looked at him intently and said, look at us. And he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not have silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. 
And grasping him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were straightened. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as being the very one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple to beg for charitable gifts. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. God bless the reading of his word this morning. One of the things that we can observe in, the te- in today's text is that everything that's happening here in the story is unexpected. It all happens unexpectedly. Peter and John didn't expect to run into the crippled man. The crippled man did not expect to run into Peter and John, literally. The closest that the crippled man got to worshiping was at the gate. He couldn't even get into the temple because he was lame. The crippled man didn't expect to be healed that day. All he thought he was getting was some dosh. The onlookers didn't expect this man to get up and walk. The onlookers didn't expect Peter and John, apostles of Jesus, to come to the temple preaching the gospel about the very man that they rejected. Everything about the story is unexpected, yet God, in all of his sovereignty, is not surprised or shocked by the events of Acts chapter 3. In fact, he is the God who orders the steps of a good man. He is the God who directs a man's steps. He is the God who orchestrates and makes the appointments that you and I step into unexpectedly. And so I want us to look at a few things this morning in order to encourage us. My first point for us today is expect the unexpected. The Bible says that this man is 40 years old and has been crippled since birth. All he knew to do was lay on the mat and beg. For so many years, it's all he's known. His normal routine is to beg at the gate. But it's become so normal that even the people would carry him to the gate. Uh, The Bible doesn't say who carried him, but all it says is that people would carry him to the gate. Uh, Even the people who had seen him, the people around him, had become used to his routine, his pattern, his normal. They've all settled with the fact that this man was crippled and there was absolutely nothing that anybody could do do and for and to change his situation and so they've encouraged his begging for money at the gate they've enabled his begging for money at the gate by carrying him there can i just say it's dangerous to be surrounded by people who just enable your crippledness when you are created to do great things for god you've got to be careful that you are not surrounded by people who are okay with mediocre and people who are okay to settle for less than great you want to be surrounded by people who will call you out of your crippledness and remind you that a great god created you to do great things you want to be able to have people in your world who will love you enough to challenge you and let you know son If you're going to stay up in here, you're going to need to pay some rent up in this piece. You're going to need to do some sort of cleaning and some sort of washing. You're going to need to pay some kind of bill because you cannot expect to stay here at the age of 35 for free. You want to be able to have people in your life who would shatter your truth because they love you. People who would love you enough to say, baby, it's not what you're saying. It's how you're saying it. You want to be surrounded by people who don't just catch you in the physical, they catch you in the spirit. People who would challenge you in the things of God and say, what has God been speaking to you about? When was the last time you got to praying? When was the last time you got to reading the word? What does the word say about your situation? You want people in your world who love you enough to say, don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for stagnant. Don't settle for cripple. Because you were created for greatness. You were created to grow. You were created to move forward. This crippled man has chosen to place himself at the gate near the temple. 
Now, devout Jews observe three times of prayer at the temple. That's a lot of praying. They pray at 9 a.m., 12 p.m., and 3 p.m. So you can imagine how busy it is at the temple with people going in and people coming out. Now, it was normal for Jews to give alms or give uh, money to the poor. It was emphasized in Jewish custom and tradition. And so beggars would station themselves in strategic positions like the gate of the temple in order to receive money. Now, can you imagine his surprise to call on John and Peter and hear them respond and say, I don't have silver. I don't have gold, but what I do have, I'm going to give to you. Suddenly, Peter and John have shattered this man's truth. They do the unexpected and say, we don't have silver, we don't have gold, but here's what we've got. Jesus, rise up and walk. If money was the answer to the crippled man's problem, he would have been healed the first time he got given coin. But the issue wasn't poverty in the physical. The issue was poverty of the soul. He settled for less than what he was created for. He thought he could never be restored. He thought he could never walk again. He thought he was born uh, into the world to just work a nine to five job and lay on the mat and beg for money to keep himself alive. And so the reason he's been able to survive is because he's living off of what he knows. He's living off of begging at the gate. He's living off of normal. He's living off of tradition. You see, the reason some of us are feeling crippled in our walk with God is because we're stuck in what we think we know. And as long as we enable you to believe that begging at the gate was all you were created for, you'll survive just fine because you've already ridden yourself off and gotten yourself comfortable on the mat. The reason you feel crippled is because you're living off of dead tradition and dead routine. I'll come to church on Sunday. I'll do small group on Monday. I'll do outreach on Tuesday. I'll do prayer meeting on Wednesday. I'll, you know, pray for the community on Thursday. I'll fast on Friday. I'll do another outreach on Saturday. You already know that week one is growth track. You know that week two is small group sign up. You you, you already know that child dedications is on week three. You know it all. It's no wonder nobody thinks you're crippled because when you've got religion and tradition and routine, you can look like you're moving but going nowhere you are surviving off of what you know to anyone who is feeling crippled be it a spiritual emotional and mental crippling crippled by life crippled by circumstance crippled by difficult experiences you've been crippled by words that were spoken over you you've been crippled by relationships crippled by people and you've accepted your crippled state as normal you've accepted the fact that you're going to stagnate the rest of your life I'm here today to call you out of your crippled state in the name of Jesus of Nazareth rise up and walk You weren't created for deadbeat routine and lifeless patterns. You weren't created for ordinary. You weren't created for religion. You were created for relationship. You were created for life, but not just ordinary life, life abundant. You were created to walk in your purpose, walk in your gifting, walk into your destiny. You thought your greatest need was money, food, and the Tesla and the mansion, but all along your greatest need has been a peace that money can't get you a joy that the Tesla can't give you, a security that your mansion is not going to be able to give you. It's time for you to expect the unexpected. You need to be courageous enough. You need to be tenacious enough to be able to step out of your normal, step out of your comfort zone, step out of your routine and expect God to do the unexpected in your life. When you live your life expecting the unexpected, you've got to be willing to let go of what you know. You need to come empty and believe for more believe for greater. Trust God for healing, for provision, for breakthrough. The accountant can show you the numbers. The doctor can show you the x-ray. The psychologist can show you the report. Did the bank account lie? No. Did the x-ray lie? No. Did the psychologist report lie? No. 
But you've got to be careful that you don't allow what you now know to inform what you believe and your expectation of what God can do. It's time to let go of what we think we know and trust God to show up and do things that we ain't ever seen before in ways that we've not seen before. My second point is this, expect the unexpected. I did not stutter. My second point is expect the unexpected. Bet you didn't expect that, eh? Peter and John walk up to the lame man and the first thing they do is look at him intently and they say, look at us. The King James Version says that they fastened the eyes on the lame man and they said, silver and gold, I have none. But that I do give, I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And then they took him by the right hand and raised him up. It's not by accident that the author of the text has taken the time to explain in detail that they took him by the right hand. Because they could have taken him by the left hand. They could have taken him by both hands. They could have said to him, just get up and walk. But he took him by the right hand and picked him up. Now, there's a message in that. And the message is not just one touch and then he was healed. No, no, no. The message is not he took him out of the miry clay. The message is this. The man is now restored. To greet someone with your right hand or to grab them by the right hand in the Bible times was to say, you are my equal. You are no different than I am. You would only ever greet your friends with your right hand or those in the same class as you. You would only ever greet them with the right hand. In biblical times, it was normal to not take a lame man by the right hand because he would have been considered less than. It was normal for the people at the time to say that the reason this man was lame was because of sin. It was normal for the people at the time to say, we'll carry you to the gate, but we don't want to associate with you. And so here comes Peter breaking the norm. In the simple gesture, Peter was breaking all the rules. He was crossing over the barrier between crippled and able body and touching this man as an equal. He took this man by the right hand as if to say, you are my brother. As if to say, you are no less than me. As if to say, I'm not enabling this behavior no more. As if to say, I am breaking the norm. When you live your life expecting the unexpected, you have to be willing to break the norm. We can't expect to yield fruit in 2022 with 2021 strategies and tactics. You see, if I'm wanting to save money, I'm going to need to put it into a savings account. Now, if I make a habit of transferring money from the savings to the everyday account, I'm never going to be able to save money. I'm only going to go from religiously saving to religiously transferring. I cannot expect to have a saving in 2023 that I'm not willing to work for in 2022. And so I've got to be willing to break the norm. And breaking the norm might look like opening an account that I've got no access to online. As long as you keep going back to what's normal and ordinary and what you've been doing for years, you will never grow. Until you are willing to break the norm, break routine, and be led out of tradition, only then will you run into your miracle and your breakthrough. Now, when I say break the norm, I'm not saying to go and break the rules or break the law. You're not going to get me no lawsuit or talking about the pastor said to break the rules and break the law. I'm talking about being willing to step out of religion and routine in order to bring people into relationship with Jesus. When the religious people brought a woman before Jesus who had committed adultery, they said, Jesus, the law is clear. We ought to be stoning her. And Jesus said, okay, he without, the first, uh, without sin cast the first stone. Not a single one cast a stone. When the religious people would distance themselves from people who society frowned upon, Jesus would sit with them and have a meal. Prostitute, tax collector, sinner, you name it, Jesus broke the norm. When the religious people would hold on to their religious routines about not doing certain things on, on, on Sabbath, Jesus would heal on the Sabbath. You see, it's because it wasn't about regulations and routine and religion. It was about relationship. Church, 
I don't want you to walk into 2022 acting like we didn't just come out of, you know, two whole years of great challenge and difficulty. I don't want you to walk into the rest of 2022 with hopes that we can go back to the same routine and the same old ways that the things that things used to be. I don't want to settle for yesterday's mana and yesterday's strategies and yesterday's tactics and yesterday's revelations. I don't want to just fly through 2022 not having made new friendships and new relationships. I don't want to just walk the rest of 2022 not seeing miracles and signs and wonders in my life. No, I want to break the norm in 2022. When we break the norm, we are willing to step out of our comfort zone, step outside of our fears, step outside of the four walls, step outside of norms and absolutely trust and believe that what God is gonna do in our world today is nothing compared to that which we've already seen. But I don't want you to forget because to break the norm also means to extend the hand of fellowship to the lost and dying, those who probably don't even look like us, taking them by the right hand and saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. But we've got to be willing to break the norm. My third point is this, expect the unexpected. <laughs> Peter and John said to the crippled man, silver and gold have I not, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And you're probably thinking, man, he's been repeating this a lot. There's a whole sermon in that very phrase. Because the truth is, your miracle don't happen in anything that you've lost. God will always use what you've got left. The miracle didn't come from anything that Peter and John had lost. It came from what they had left, and all they had was Jesus. I know this might sound crazy, but the reason you're still stuck is because you're too busy looking at what you've lost that you ain't even taken the time to recognize what you've got left. You're too busy focusing on who left you and who betrayed you and who lied on you and who cheated on you, and you're so focused on them that you failed to see who you've got left. You're too busy focused on the retail job that you lost. You can't even see the business that God is trying to start in you. You're too busy focused on what went wrong. You don't have enough capacity now to hear where it could go right. If the woman from Zarephath remained focused on what she had lost, she never would have experienced a miracle. She runs into a man named uh, Elijah, and he says to her, can I have some water, please? She goes and fetches the water. While she's there, he says, can I also have some bread? She turns around and says to him, I don't have any bread. Uh, and I swear by your God, all I've got is a handful of flour and a little bit of oil in the jug. I'm about to cook our final meal because after this, we're going to die. Elijah says to her, don't be afraid. Go and do what I've asked because the Lord says there will always be flour and oil in your containers until the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she went and did as he said, and she found that the flour and the oil never ran out. You see, the Zarephath woman could have focused on what she had lost. She had lost her husband, lost her, her you know, if she had more kids, she would have lost that all. Now she's down to just this flour and oil. But she never would have seen the provision of God on her if she focused on what she had lost. Because the miracle was not in what she lost, it was in what she had left. But she was willing to give what she had left. When you live your life expecting the unexpected, you look to what you've got left. And you expect God to do a miracle with what you've got left. I may be crippled right now, but Jesus, I'm going to praise you and worship you with my hands and with my mouth and with my eyes that I've got left. I may not have a job right now, but I've still got the experience and the qualifications that I can put into my CV. I may not have a car right now, but I'm still able to walk. I may not have the coin, but Jesus, you've got my heart. We may not have the food on the table right now, but Jesus, you've got our trust. Where in your life have you settled for ordinary because you've come so fixated on what you lost? 
Where in your life have you lost passion and motivation and determination and drive because you're too busy thinking about what you lost? You need to start looking at what you've got because God will always use what you've got. If I can ask Sharon to join me on the keys. As I come to a close this morning, I want you to know that your impossibility is God's opportunity. The crippled man needed help beyond the realm of human ability. He absolutely needed God to do what no one else could do. He needed God to step into his ordinary and do the extraordinary. And so when Peter and John said, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk, he grabbed him by the right hand and helped him up. The Bible says his ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. But here's what I love about the text. It says he went walking and leaping and praising God. Let me encourage you this morning. When you walk with God, normal and ordinary become your enemies because you serve a God who does the extraordinary. When you walk with God, you don't stagnate. You are constantly moving. You are constantly growing. You are constantly advancing. When you walk with God, you don't fit in. You stand out. When you walk with God, every day is a new day for you. When you walk with God, He'll bring you to people you never thought you would have met. When you walk with God, you will see things from his perspective. When you walk with God, he's going to carry you through situations you thought you couldn't handle. Why? Because he's God. He does the unexpected. He does the impossible. He tells the mountains to go into the sea. He goes to funerals and he makes the dead come alive. He goes to weddings and he turns water to wine. He's the God who comes walking on the water to you. He's a God who pays taxes from the mouth of a fish. He's a God who prays for the people who crucified him. He's the God who feeds thousands with, two, with uh, five loaves and two fish. He's a God who will take a nap in the middle of the storm. He's a God who gets up out of the grave. He's a God who rolls a stone away. He's the God who does the unexpected. Turn to the person next to you and say, have you met my God? <laughs> Hallelujah to God. Have you met my God? Amen. I came to tell you this morning, Elam Christian Center Manurewa, 2022 is going to be your year for the unexpected. 2022 is going to be the year you let go of what you know. 2022 is going to be the year you break the norm. 2022 is going to be the year that you stop looking at what you lost and you look at what you've got left. 2022 is going to be the year that God breaks the routine and the cycle and the ordinary and the tradition. 2022 is going to be the year that you're going to be you're going to get strength in places that you never knew that you had before. 2022 is going to be the year for the unexpected. You ought to say, don't go looking for me at the gate no more. Don't go looking for me where you left me. Don't go looking for me where you dropped me off because I'm about to get up from out of there and take a walk and start leaping and praising my God. Can somebody say amen? You can go on ahead and close your eyes and bow your heads. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that like the crippled man who got up and began to walk, Lord, we thank you that we too can get up from where we are. We too can get up from our old ways. We too can get up from that which keeps crippling us and begin to walk. And so, Lord, I pray that you help us to continue trusting you. I pray that you help us to continue walking by faith and not by sight. But most of all, Lord, I pray that you help us to continue to expect the unexpected because you're a God who does exceedingly abundantly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. We're going to stay here.
We never like to close our service without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And this morning, you may be here, and this is probably your first time in church, and you've got things happening in your life, and you've said yes to everything else, and nothing seems to have worked. I want to give you this opportunity to say yes to Jesus. I want to give, uh, perhaps you're here today, and you've walked away from the Lord, and you're far away from Him. Uh, Things may have happened in your life that's caused you to distance yourself from Him. I want to give you this opportunity as well to say yes to Jesus. You see, the God who created this world is the God who created you too. He created you to know him. He created you to enjoy loving fellowship and relationship with him. He created you on purpose for a purpose. But the Bible talks about a barrier that keeps us disconnected from God. A barrier that keeps us disconnected from knowing God. A barrier that keeps us from enjoying loving fellowship and relationship with God. A barrier that keeps us disconnected from our purpose. And that barrier, that disconnect, is caused by this thing called sin. Sin is doing things our own way and walking in disobedience to God. And so because of sin, we fall short and miss the mark at loving God and loving people. Sin, therefore, keeps us separated from God. Sin, therefore, keeps us disconnected from God. But also the penalty of that sin is death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. No no amount of hard work could save you. No amount of silver could save you. No amount of gold could save you. But what I do have, I give to you, and I can give you Jesus. Because the truth is God in his grace sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that you and I didn't have to pay the penalty of that sin. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. It means that through Jesus, our sins are forgiven and we become connected to God and restored into right relationship with him. When Jesus died on the cross, he took on himself what you and I would do for our sin. But today, he's extending to every single one of us his grace, forgiveness for your past, a new life right now, and a hope for your future and eternal life with him in heaven. And so if you're here today and you're saying, I want to be connected to God, I want to come into relationship with God, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to raise your hand and you can put it down straight away. And I'm telling you, you don't even have to be shy or afraid up in here. Nobody in this church was born holy. Everybody in this room was a sinner who has been saved by grace. But we want you to know we've got your back and we're standing with you this morning. And so if that's you, I'm going to count to three. You can raise your hand. You can put it down again. One, God loves you. Two, he's speaking to your heart right now. Three, raise your hand. Thank you. I see that hand at the back there. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's celebrate those people who have said yes to Jesus. Here's the next thing I want you to do. I want you to repeat this prayer after me, but I need you to know this prayer doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. This prayer is only a declaration and an expression of you placing your faith and trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins. And rose from the dead. I turn from my sins and invite you to come into my heart. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today for the first time, we are so proud of you. Congratulations and welcome home. God bless.